Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our live coverage of this year's annual Spring Classic, the 102nd Running of the Snail. And what a beautiful day for the sport of kings, of which I am a huge fan. Seriously, I'm just a fan. I was on my way to my seat, the door was open. Hey, what are you doing? No. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. I'm your captain, Captain Eric. It's a pleasure to welcome you aboard to another episode. Today's episode is about the Great Snail Race, the first half of the 55th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, first premiered on January 24th, 2003. Our writers for this episode are Paul Tibbet, Kent Osborne, and Joe Liss. Now, I do want to mention... Early airings of this episode in its original form, original airings, original DVD releases, and a few international airings gave credit to Meriwether Williams as the third writer of this episode, but it was digitally changed in streaming versions, digital versions, and more recently, anytime you see it airing on television, to give the credit to Joe Liss as the writer. So if you if you ever watched this episode in an older format, you, you probably have seen Meriwether Williams' name there. Um, but yeah, Joe Liss is the third writer of this episode. Our storyboard artists are Chuck Klein, Carson Kugler, Caleb Muner, and William Reese. Our storyboard directors are Paul Tibbet and Ken Osborne. Our animation director is Andrew Overtoom, and our creative director is Derek Dryman. This is an episode that, honestly, for the first time in season three, I think we have a very divisive episode here. Now, I know a lot of people who love this episode, love the jokes inside of it, but there are certainly a lot of people who have brought up certain aspects of this episode that have become problematic over time and just, you know, maybe not make it the most enjoyable experience for a fan to watch. I, for myself, do love this episode, but I also understand why there are some that after, you know, 20 years of this episode being out, you go, eh, I, I maybe didn't like it as much as I did 20 years ago. And that's okay. Not every single SpongeBob episode after 20 years ha has to hit the exact same way as it did originally. Uh, but there's still a lot of funny jokes here. And it, it definitely over time has, uh, has, you know, gone down on my list in the, in the rankings of, of how I view this episode. Um, but I still, there, there are certain jokes in this episode and, and even certain aspects that I, I do love that maybe not other people would get behind. Cause I think like once you just don't like something about this episode, it's hard to like any of the, of the aspects included with it, but we'll get into that. The great snail race, of course, you would imagine involves a great snail race. But before we even get to the snail race, we got to start out with this opening number because the opening tune of this episode, uh, right when the title card comes out is Fight, Fight, Fight by Will Schaefer. And if you uh, listen to this little tune, which you'll hear a few other times in this episode, you will, it will, might seem familiar because it is also the backing tune for the song Now That We're Men from the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. So it's kind of interesting once you know that song. And, and I mean, that's one of the most iconic SpongeBob songs out there. But you, you hear Now That We're Men and then you go back and watch this episode and you hear that that initial tune and it's just what wait now that we're men this was here yeah yeah they had a tune here from uh from earlier in the show the the one of the running gags of this episode for some reason is the constant misunderstanding of squidward's last name i i don't know why i if i find it funny that all of a sudden just for one episode it's uh it, it's just a gag i kind of wish 
it was an ongoing gag throughout the show. Not necessarily from SpongeBob and Patrick or, or Mr. Krabs or any of the main characters, but I don't know. Just imagine if, you know, any other fish reading his name for the last time constantly read it wrong. Not constantly, like not every episode, but what if it was a gag that just happened ever so often where if somebody, anytime a character who seeing tentacles as a last name for the first time reads it, reads it incorrectly. Um, I, I think I would like that more than I do with the, the condensing of the amount of jokes they have of that in this episode. So the first one we get is the mailman who is dropping off a package to Squidward here and reads his name as Squidward Tennis Balls. That one is my, my favorite one out of the three in this episode. But yeah, we, we get this wonderful little opening of SpongeBob. It's one of my favorite SpongeBob coming out of his house yelling out at the world moments, especially when the world, quote unquote, the the fourth wall here, the camera just kind of pans away from SpongeBob. And he even acknowledges like world, like where are you going? You're putting all of your attention over on Squidward. This is a Squidward centric episode, if you will. He's he's kind of the the running force behind everything that happens uh, with his delivery. Squidward receives a brand new pet, a pet snail named Snelly, a snail that he apparently paid $1,700 for in the purpose of entering Snelly in the Bikini Bottom snail race on Sunday. Um, a purebred snail that is almost guaranteed to give Squidward victory for this great... This, uh, I know, can you believe it? I, can, well, <laughs> I uh, total, total transparency. I, I always usually record on the last... Um, uh, episode that I've done. I re-record over the file. I save a new copy, but um, I forgot that the boos were <laughs> were present and I didn't mute anything. So no joke, complete honesty. That that right there is a is a live moment of of and it, like perfect too. I'm talking about Squidward buying himself uh, a trophy, essentially buying himself a win, and then some boos come out of nowhere. Like yeah, you know what? That is kind of a booable moment. That sucks. Um, it's. It's one thing for Squidward to have these dreams, these desires in the world, and to go after them. And even when he fails miserably, it's it's something to try and to continually try, even when you fail. It's a completely other thing when maybe you fail so much that you're like, you know what? I'm just going to buy my way into success. I'm not going to work for it. I'm just going to buy into it. Um, and, and that can be a problem. I mean, that issue on its own, buying success, kind of goes hand in hand with even certain video games out there where, um, you know, it's one thing if like blind boxes are just cosmetic purposes and doesn't really alter the game in any way. But if you're a game out there where uh, spending money could better your game experience and then you got people out there who are just, you know, the best on the field or whatever kind of game it is, but they're only the best because they've just dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars into that game. The white whales, as those, as those companies put it. Um, yeah, those kind of experiences, like that's, that's not exciting to me. That's not exciting. I, I don't like that you can just, Hey, throw money at it to win. I, I, I like any game where it could just get boiled down to skill versus skill. And, and that's it. Um, now at the end of the day, this is a, a legitimate snail race. So Snelly still is not guaranteed to win, still has to put in the effort, but Squidward has dodged literally the whole process of of raising a snail, having a pet, 
doing all of the training, getting Snelly trade. He literally bought the end result, which is completely fine. There's a lot of people out there who probably do it for like show dogs and for racing and for horse racing. You're just like, you know what? I want to get into this and I buy an animal out of the gate. I'm not downing that. I'm downing it for Squidward's purposes only, not anyone else out there. The fact that he took this situation and, and turned it into a gloating experience and also kind of like a downer for SpongeBob and even Gary and uh and and what transpires there like I that that whole part I can't get behind and and how smug he is about it um he doesn't deserve to to just buy his way into success if Squidward wants to be a champion uh snail race owner he should start from the ground up and work his way up to that achievement but but of course yeah, that's not the way Squidward rolls. Now, when SpongeBob and Patrick, who I, I love his entrance into this episode, it, it's a very subtle, quick moment. It just kind of happens. And I think most viewers, because you would expect Patrick to be there anyway, you just immediately go, all right, whatever, we're on with the rest of the episode. The fact that he just kind of pops out of SpongeBob's house and even SpongeBob looking just a bit confused about that, it's it's super quick. It's like a one second, two second bit, but it makes me laugh in this episode. Uh, but yeah, they come over, they they come in and see Squidward's new snail, Snelly, who has official uh, uh, papers of authenticity of, of being a purebred racing snail and is Squidward's just guaranteed golden ticket to the victory at Sun Sunday's, I almost said snail days, uh, Sunday's great snail race uh, over here in Bikini Bottom. Uh, now, the first thing that SpongeBob brings up, it's not even the fact that Gary should enter this race as well. It's it's that Gary has a new friend to play with. You know, Squidward doesn't have a pet. Patrick doesn't have a pet. Con Street only really has three homes right next to each other. Gary is kind of alone. I don't think Gary uh, has access to outside. I don't think he has uh, what I call a cat flap on the door. It would most likely be like a snail flap. But uh, he doesn't really, he does have access seemingly to outside whenever he wants, but he doesn't really, you know, have any friends or any other pets to hang out with. So I like that SpongeBob brings that up first before anything else. Squidward immediately shoots that down. He doesn't want Snelly hanging out with what he calls a mongrel mutt. And at first we don't get the up-close shot of Gary for, for that moment. But he, he calls Gary a mongrel mutt. And I'm like, you know, Gary's a pretty smart snail. He's He's beyond most pets that we've seen thus far in the show. He's a pretty advanced creature, and other than, you know, the, the one I was a teenage Gary episode, which I could say, hey, Squidward would then have a bad experience with Gary and then would have this kind of negative outlook on him, but for the most part, I think he, he should have a decent outlook on Gary. But then when he calls him a mutt again, we get this nice up-close shot of what appears to be hillbilly-looking Gary with five o'clock shadow and a corncob pipe and a, a nice little, like fabric patch on his shell but then the cherry on top of this is the little like chimney stovetop that comes out of his uh out of his shell like a complete hillbilly 180 which i i don't know if that's just squidward's perception of him but for how smart we know gary is i i wouldn't perceive him as as a as a hillbilly like that as a, as a mutt and right after uh squidward pretty much insults gary spongebob catches wind of this and and understands the challenge here. What you don't think Gary could could enter this snail race and beat your your purebred? And Squidward pulls out his papers because you know, you know any any dog owner out there who would want to argue the the authenticity of their animal would have those papers at the ready. Uh, I I love and here's the the second part of the of the joke here of getting Squidward's name wrong. Patrick 
Which, th- this part's actually funny. The fact that it's Patrick reading it, but he, he reads Squidward tentacles and reads it as Squidward tentpoles. Not as funny as tennis balls, but it, it's it's funny because it is Patrick. He should know Squidward's last name. Uh, but of course, this all leads to SpongeBob laying down the challenge that Gary will also enter the great snail race of Bikini Bottom, as will Patrick, who apparently will also obtain a snail of some sort to enter the race. I, I don't know, uh, I don't know why Patrick wants to do that, but I'm all for it and everything he does in this episode. I'm all, I'm all about it. Patrick is actually a really good pet owner, believe it or not. What happens here is that instead of immediately jumping into training, Gary, of course, wants to watch TV. And I believe it is also the same television show that Patrick was watching during Rockabye Bivalve, uh, which is the guy getting hit in the head with a coconut. So I don't know if it's just the biggest comedy show in, in Bikini Bottom at the moment or if it's just the only one. But everybody wants to watch the guy getting hit in the head with the coconut. From this moment forward, SpongeBob adopts a very Ted Lasso-looking classic coach look, big old mustache, uh, sweatshirt, sweatpants, sneakers, and a, and a hat, along with a whistle. But along with adopting the look of a, of a classic coach, SpongeBob adopts the attitude of a classic coach. And this is where this episode can certainly rub people the wrong way, not only just in, in one moment here at the beginning, but throughout the episode with SpongeBob's increasing intensity towards Gary and his training. Mind you, I believe this is taking place on like a Friday or a Saturday. Gary has like a day or two of training before this race on Sunday. It's certainly not a ton of time to get ready for any sort of massive event. I mean, think about it. If you if you had any sort of like a hundred mile run and you started training for it, a day or two beforehand. I mean, that's how much, you know, training can you really give yourself in that amount of time? So what happens here is that during his, uh, his intensity of a coach to get him trained and ready for the snail race, he refers to Gary as a lady. Come on, ladies, let's go. And says to Gary, I call you a lady to humiliate and demean you. It's a motivational tactic by us coaches. Now, hearing that in this day and age, is certainly going to trigger some people. And there might be people who will hear that and just like, I don't want to watch any rest of the episode. But, you know, the entire caricature here of this classic, mean, gruff coach is very much on point and to the point that constantly hammering down, constantly yelling, constantly being negative is not going to get you the results that you think you want. That kind of coaching doesn't work and causes a lot of damage that we see by the end of this episode. There is a purpose to SpongeBob being incredibly irrational throughout the training of this episode because it's just it's meant to show you just the absurdity of that level of coaching and and the kind of results it's going to give you and that just doesn't work and and honestly when when looking at this episode it reminds me of my short time during high school football. Um, I didn't I didn't play any full games or anything. I, I started during the summer training. And, and let me tell you, the, the idea of coaches just screaming that motivation. We're not going to teach you anything about football, but we're just going to have you do mindless push ups in the mud and just yell and humiliate you. And it's the military. We're building a team here. I know that there's a purpose to a decent chunk of that, but there's a line. There's a very clear line in terms of of motivation that I think 
more than a few coaches and trust me more than a few is an understatement a, a ton of coaches in the history of coaching have gone over that line and have have just become monsters thinking that it's just going to take that intensity that anger to just be the base level motivation for you and it's not it, it takes a lot more than just yelling and screaming for people to get you know the kind of results you're looking for that's that's just not going to work and especially being humiliating and demeaning it, it's not a good motivational tactic i don't know i don't know if, if anyone has heard of this but it's it's not um has it worked for some people out there can it work for people well absolutely uh I, you know walking from the tip of Maine to the bottom of California, it'll get you from point A to point B if you walk there. If you crawl on all fours, will you still get there? I mean, eventually. Is it the most ideal way to do it? No. You can A bike would be a better way than crawling. A car would be a better way than crawling. And so, yeah, like... You, you can sit there and, and make your argument that, you know, yeah, being completely humiliating is the best way of motivation for people. Well, no, to say it so broadly like that, can it be the best for certain individuals out there? Sure, but it's such a small pool of people that it's not worth implementing on such a mass scale. Uh, and, and certainly in just it's not even worth trying in any regard. If, if Honestly, if it takes humiliation to motivate you, then... I question your motivation in the first place. The The best kind of motivation is one that can be inspired by passion. That That is the best kind of motivation, bar none. No screaming, no yelling, no military drill instructor is going to get the same level of effort out of me than somebody that I admire, somebody that I want to match the passion of, somebody I want to match the, the level of production of. That, even if they could be completely silent, they're going to get more out of me uh, being calm than than any other way. I mean, that's me. That's just me personally. That's the captain. Like I said, but there's there's different coaching techniques out there. There's different people, and it all we're all trying. But certainly, the way SpongeBob is presented in this episode is it is it is unflattering. And I'll honestly say, by the end, it it's a part of it that has dropped it down just to see that level. But you know, hey, if they're gonna be honest, they're they're gonna go the full full intensity of of how that character is supposed to be. Uh, what happens right after SpongeBob makes, and we went on a nice little tangent there, after SpongeBob makes that lady reference of, of I use it to humiliate and uh, demean you as a motivational tactic by us coaches, we immediately cut to Sandy, who's walking somewhere in Bikini Bottom, and just kind of thinks to herself, like, you know, I don't know why, but I think I'm going to kick SpongeBob's butt tomorrow. There was just something in the wind that made Sandy go, you know what, Spongebob deserves a butt-kicking. He has one coming to him, and, and boy, is she right. Part of the training here is Spongebob making a, a workout shake for Gary, which includes kelp powder instead of uh, protein powder uh, for muscle mass, uh, raw eggs because they're cliche, which is one of my favorite jokes in this episode, like... The fact that the the muscle mass is there for the kelp powder and raw eggs are, are there for protein as well. I mean, that's why you'd see raw eggs as part of any sort of training montage. It's it's the protein of them. Um, but yeah, raw eggs because they're cliche and then nails for toughness, which is just a wonderful callback to the to the salty spittoon and the guy who had the, the nails for breakfast. 
Uh, I, I love that SpongeBob kept kept that in the back of his mind of like, huh, you can eat nails to be tough. Um, now, at this point, we get a little bit more uh, back and forth between SpongeBob and, and Squidward. There's a lot of just bragging rights on the table to claim. And uh, now that Patrick has come into the mix with his own snail, he is ready to join the fold of coaches showing off their pets. Patrick has introduced us to his, his number one star snail for this race, Rocky, a, a literal rock. A rock that is roughly the size of Gary's shell, but doesn't look like a snail at all. You you know, it'd be one thing if he brought over a, a rock that just kind of looked like a snail, but nope, it was just a straight up rock. And, uh, and Patrick's bragging throughout this entire episode, the confidence is high for Rocky. Uh, Patrick has like no, no question that, that Rocky is going to win this, this race. He's got it locked in. And honestly, I don't know where he found this, this champion snail so quickly. It's like he just found it outside. It's it's absolutely wonderful. We get a training montage now with with Gary, who once again prefers to watch television instead of training. And and I'm with Gary on this one, especially with the level of training he has to go through. But we're gonna go through a little list here. Um, the classic like running through the tires, except Gary just kind of glides over him. He has to climb over a wall. He is punching the weight bag that is clearly inside of SpongeBob's home gym. It's that classic wallpaper, but um, he also has that sign that says, I heart pain on the back of, of the wall. But one thing I do want to mention on the back of this wall, for some reason in this episode, it caught my eye. I really want a, a copy of that shark poster in the back that just says, yeah, I don't know why it, it just, it, for some reason I was watching this episode and I went back a few times to catch all the montage, uh, training stuff and to make sure I got any extra details. And, and this shark poster just caught my attention. I might have to uh, make my own motivational shark poster. Beyond the uh, punching bag, we also have uh, running while SpongeBob is on his like you little unicycle. We also then get the next three items are just kind of Gary sitting on the toilet, Gary taking a bath, Gary eating dinner. But it's it's SpongeBob throughout this entire montage is just yelling at Gary, telling Gary to move it. Come on, Gary, move it, move it, move it. Let's go. Come on. It's just it's SpongeBob constantly yelling and a montage of just Gary doing different activities, but on the toilet, taking a bath, having dinner. And then lastly, and to me, the most detrimental of this entire training is having Gary on uh, a running wheel overnight. SpongeBob was able to sleep and yell at the same time. And Gary spent the entire night constantly on this, on this hamster wheel. And that is what seemingly took him over the edge because by we by the time we get to morning, we, we look at Gary and he is just the most worn out looking snail that has ever been depicted on this show. It's kind of gross. Certainly what, what leads up to it, you know, is a bit <laughs> a bit grosser, but definitely more on a comedic effect is just ridiculous. But we get to the start of the race. This giant stadium is all packed for the great snail race. But what's interesting is there's only three competitors. There's only Squidward and Snelly, SpongeBob and Gary, and Patrick and Rocky. Now, I know that these are our three main characters of the show. These are the characters we're supposed to care about, but SpongeBob only entered this race because of, of Squidward's bragging. What if they didn't interact in that day or so? Is Squidward showing up to this race alone? Does he just win by default because no one else brought a snail to race, or does Snelly still have to finish? I, I have questions. I, I literally do. I, I want to know more about this Bikini Bottom annual snail race. 
which, uh, by the way, right when we get to the stadium, it's it's probably my favorite little scene in this episode. But we we get to an announcer kind of introducing us to the the Bikini Bottom Snail Race, welcoming us to the stadium, and uh, then we end up finding out that it was just a fan who ended up waltzing into the the announce booth. Like he saw the door open and he walked in and just decided I'm just going to start announcing everything. And he, you know what? He did a pretty good job. He was pretty convincing as the announcer. If anything, that was a nice audition if they ever need a, a future replacement. Uh, then the the real announcer comes in and introduces us uh, to the Bikini Bottom Snail Race, introduces us to the mayor of Bikini Bottom. I love this fish's design. I especially love that his goatee is just another fin. And um, he introduces us to the living legend, the the flame bearer of this race who is going to bring the the flame of the great snail race over kind of like an olympic style the one the only lightning larry luciano uh, my favorite snail design in the history of spongebob squarepants i mean i love gary gary's number one but um if you asked me all right besides gary is there another snail or pet or animal that you that just that you love the design of and lightning larry luciano the mustache the the hairy eyebrows everything about him i just i love i adore this snail and they could have stretched this joke out for as long as they they could have like this could have been uh they could have even taken this to like Family Guy levels if they really wanted to and made this entire sequence last five minutes if they really wanted to, but they, they didn't need to. It went on long enough, but we did get a nice little like intertitle card here of two hours later, and he's only about a quarter of the way from the entrance to where he needs to be, where the, the mayor just kind of rushes it and gets gets Lightning Larry over, over to the big flame to start the start of the Great Snail Race. The beginning of the race goes on, and Snelly, of course, immediately goes off on her path, and Gary, who is just completely worn out, does not even start the race. He just, he can't even move. And then, of course, Rocky is, can't move at all, it's a rock, but but Patrick, being the absolute wonderful pet owner that he is, is super supportive of Rocky and lets Rocky know, hey, buddy, you can start whenever you want. You don't have to start this race right at the at the go. You can, you can do you. Well, you take your time. And I just, I love that. That's so, like, that's the coaching style that's going to work. And I think the end of this episode will prove it. But we'll, we'll see about Rocky soon. Eventually, after just more berating of Gary, more intensity, more yelling, it actually gets, this is where it gets kind of like, ah, I don't want to see SpongeBob like this. Like, this is really the first time that SpongeBob is is taking on an antagonist role in an episode. He's taking it more so than Squidward, like, Squidward's a smug jerk in this episode, but SpongeBob take th- takes things to a completely different level when it comes to a bit of the training, and then of course this this whole part at the snail race of just screaming at Gary and pushing him to the limit. Gary eventually begrudgingly starts the race, and uh, it turns at this point. I want you to think of instead of watching a snail race. I want you to think a little bit more of car racing, like NASCAR, because what ends up happening is as Gary is being pushed to race and race and race, and and the announcer throughout this is noticing, like, that coach is pushing that snail too hard, that snail is is not looking good, and, and SpongeBob is just screaming. It's It's like, it's still getting worse. You would think that SpongeBob has hit his peak, and he hasn't. He's about to. But as Gary is moving forward, one of his eye stalks pop. And for some people, that might just be a shocking visual, but you got to think of it because the way they handle the snail at this moment is like a car. So when the eyes pop, 
It's not really him losing his eyes. It's like the car's wheels are blowing out. That's why he says it's a blowout. And that's especially why when you see Gary's shell break, you see an engine behind it. And even more so when we go through this entire sequence of Gary like breaking down, but then running into the guardrails like we would see in a NASCAR uh, race. And it's just it's it's rough to watch Gary go through all of that. But just the the intensity as to which they make this look like a NASCAR car going out of control it's still funny. It still lands pretty, pretty funny to me. That that right there, I said earlier in the episode, there's one part that I, I could probably defend or at least mention that like I kind of like this where some people might not. Uh, the, the whole Gary sequence there, it's a little rough, I get it, but I, I just the fact that they go for that NASCAR level is, is what makes me laugh. Uh, when SpongeBob notices the first blowout, when that first eye pops, that's when he kind of pops out of the whole coach persona and realizes, like, he wakes up and realizes that his intensity of wanting to prove Squidward wrong completely shadowed his judgment as a snail owner and as a friend, and he has now put Gary in danger. And he's trying to backpedal at this point. Like, all right, Gary, you can slow down, you can stop now, but Gary's long gone. He is, he's pushing forward because that's all he's been taught in the last 24 hours or so. And he causes an entire crash into the side of the guardrails. And, and now it like happens at the guardrails. But then, of course, he's like back in the middle of the snail race. It, it's comedic effect. SpongeBob runs out onto the track, which immediately disqualifies Gary. SpongeBob comforts Gary. And, you know, we get a nice little moment of him and Gary here, which I think is, is a bit redeeming, even with all of the intensity throughout the episode. And Snelly, who is about to cross the finish line, notices Gary, who is injured. And turns right around to comfort Gary. And right when Gary notices that Snelly is on her way, he just perks right back up and he's back to his old self. And we have two snails in love here. And Squidward walks onto the track too, which automatically means uh, Snelly is disqualified at this moment in time. Now that these two snails are in love, Squidward is realizing, wow, I just can't believe I lost the great snail race. Well, well, who won it? And we then find ourselves at the finish line where Rocky has somehow crossed the finish line. We don't see Rocky move. We've seen Rocky at the start line, and then we just see Rocky at the finish line, and the crowd goes absolutely nuts, and Patrick is cheering, and it's it's honestly, it's a great moment of this episode. I know that this might not be everyone's favorite, but the fact that Rocky wins and the whole like cheering with Patrick, it's, it's one of my favorite moments of season three. Uh, Patrick, though, being the friend that he is, knows that Squidward went through this entire endeavor to win that trophy, to win the race. So he had the trophy engraved in Squidward's name and gives him the trophy, which was really sweet of Patrick. Except for, as you know, comedy comes in threes and we have to get that third that third Squidward name wrong. And what is engraved on the, uh, on the trophy is Squidward Tortellini, which pretty much ends our entire episode. But no, it doesn't. Because right before we cut to black, Sandy comes out of nowhere kicking Spongebob off screen and mentions that that was for yesterday before we truly cut to black, ending the great snail race. It, it's still it's still a good episode. I still enjoy this episode. There's inc- there's really funny jokes. I love the setup with Sandy because even though you know it's happening, I feel like the first time you watch this, you forget that Sandy line. So that by the end, when when she shows up to kick Spongebob, it's just it's it's hilarious. I remember watching the first time. That was a that was a hilarious moment. But then afterwards, you know it's coming. It's it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle and and you know make it funny again if you know at the end that's that's the whole punchline. 
Um, there's there's not as many like super home runny type jokes in this episode, but I really like it from beginning to end. And you know what? For an episode that has SpongeBob take on an antagonist role, I I don't mind it. I really don't. Like I said, it may have dropped down my rankings since it first premiered, but most episodes have changed their place over time. That's kind of what happens. This episode could rise up 20 years from now because of, of just rewatching it so many times, or just catching something else and finding a, a finding something else to laugh at about it. But uh, I do enjoy this. It's worth watching. Definitely give The Great Snail Race a watch. And I just do want to thank all of you for joining me on this week's episode. And uh, thank you for all of the wonderful notes, uh, not only from the uh, previous episode I had about Employee of the Month, but also the story of uh, my involvement with the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated Project. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely give it a listen. Uh, it's both on YouTube and on the uh, on the audio uh, podcast for I'm Ready, a Sponge Pod Squarecast. Uh, next week, we have Midlife Crustacean, and the week after, we have Nickelodeon Party Blast. Another video game review. Uh, that one I should have complete footage for. As long as all the textures load up, I think we will be fine. And uh, and yeah, I'm not I'm not too excited for Nickelodeon Party Blast, but I literally haven't played it in almost 20 years, so it'll be a uh, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, how it holds up. Uh, thank you for joining me on the Ready Crew this week. You can reach Captain Eric at SpongePodPodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Captain Eric on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast and on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. That's right, Instagram, it's just SpongeBob Podcast. You can also find me on TikTok at SpongeBob Podcast, although I really haven't uploaded many videos, but that will be changing at some point. Please check out my other podcast, This Week in Nickelodeon History, dropping every Sunday on most major podcast platforms. And don't forget to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, where you can also hit that bell for notifications whenever the captain puts something out. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or in the link from any of my socials. Anything that comes in through my projects go directly back into my projects, and it is always appreciated. As always, everyone, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again next week to I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. If Snelly didn't win, then... And the winner is Rocky! <laughs> believe it. My purebred, which cost me $1,700, lost to a rock. <laughs>